Welcome to the Programmatic Digest podcast, where we cover top programmatic and digital news. I'm your host, Ellen Parker, your very own programmatic sensei. Thank you for joining us. And before we get into today's conversation, please do me those three small favors. Follow us on Apple iTunes and leave us a review. Like and comment on social media. We are currently on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and very soon to be on YouTube, y'all. Yay! And finally, sign up to the newsletter on the website, programmaticdigest.com. It sends you one reminder every new episode or once a month as a recap. Welcome to the podcast, Amanda, Joe. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Doing Thanks great. Thank you. Really excited to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you both here. You are um, part of the MIQ team. We're going to have a pretty exciting conversation today. But before we get into it, how about you both introduce yourself, Amanda, you first? Great. Thank you. Um, so I've been pretty much in the digital advertising industry for so many years. My career has been mainly in digital um, since it kicked off in 2008. Um, and, uh, where I worked at IMS corporate, which is basically, um, um, the Latin hub for big Silicon Valley brands that want to uh, expand in Latin America. So we worked with brands like, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, Foursquare, Spotify, et cetera. And, um, and one of the big, uh, clients of mine was Netflix where when they entered Latin America, we were their agency for online advertising. And so we were part of, you know, the big movement of getting users, acquisitions. And basically, we helped them build a base of 5 million users in the region. Um, and after that, I went along to uh, an ad tech company in Brazil called Royex that wanted to expand uh, their operations from Brazil to Latin America. And as you know, um, you know, Brazil is like an island in Latin America. So it's very difficult to, you know, have a company um, that's, you know, mainly in Portuguese um, be, you know, led and expanded into Latin America. So it was definitely challenging. But it's basically where I um, learned all about programmatic advertising and right. was able to, yeah, set up shop in Latin America and get the company rolling there. Um, and uh, Brazil, one of the only Southern um, American Southern countries that speak Portuguese. How many of them speak Portuguese? So in Latin America, yeah. Brazil mm -hmm. mainly, and that, uh, and that accounts for 50% of Latin America. Right, right. And that's what, that's what I thought. Yeah. Even yeah. though it's 50% of Latin America speak Spanish and the other 50%, give or take, speak Portuguese. I feel like Brazil is a very big um, population there, which um, before we get into Joe's introduction, I think Amanda is introducing today's topic for for you that's listening we're going to talk about the u.s hispanic population how to how to communicate how the their consumer the journey as a consumer here in the u.s so joe looking forward to your introduction yeah thanks thanks again for for having me um i started in digital in 2007 right. um at aol so it was pretty interesting oh, uh, that's a throwback 
Uh, yes, through the many names and many different email addresses, I still remember my platform A uh, email address that I had for all of about three months. But um, it was very, uh, I was very fortunate to grow up with the industry as it matured, seeing ad.com and millennial media and uh, just really seeing programmatic grow to what it's become, being mm-hmm. able to transact on any internet connected ad, really, where Back in 2007, it was just desktop. It was just display, and there w- weren't even iPhones to uh, to reach out on. So yeah. uh, it's been a pretty cool. Um, uh, delete the last ten seconds. Pretty cool uh, <laughs> uh, to, to see the industry mature and, and be able to grow with it. Um, from AOL, I did spend some time at Client Direct with LendingTree, so mm-hmm. that was very exciting to jump to that side. Um, and then I've been at MIQ since 2019. So very excited to be part of the MIQ team in the uh, mid-Atlantic market. That's really cool uh, to hear both of your background. And I always like to ask the question because I like to hear how diverse uh, someone's background is. Like my, my background is 100% on the agency side um, until I'm, I own my own agency, <laughs> which is still agency, uh, where we work with other agency partners. So it's very interesting to see. I always told myself, like, if when, once I leave the agency side, I don't know if I was looking forward to working for a brand, but I really wanted to work for ad tech. Um, but God had a different pathway, of, of course. Um, so this is really cool. I'm looking forward to today's conversation. And um, as Amanda gave us a little hint earlier, we're super excited to talk about today's topic, which is the U.S. Hispanic um, audience. So... Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's 61 million or close to 60 million Hispanics living in the U.S. today. And um, they have, of course, in the last year, uh, a lot of the data that we receive and all, a lot of the stats that we've received have been um, influenced by the pandemic. People are more home. Um, some, of, some of the, and that's U.S. and not, I mean, Hispanic and non-Hispanic audience, obviously. A lot of the streaming uh, audiences have uh, spent a lot more time streaming, no pun intended. I have pulled a a quick Hispanic um, online marketing survey and uh, a research base. And I'll make sure to share with with you, the listener, on our show notes. But it says that 74% of U.S. Hispanics increased video streaming services. Um, 52% increase live television. So they're not only streaming, they're also watching live television. So Amanda, what can you tell us um, about one, how to communicate, connect with that audiences? What are the best channels? What are the best media placements that we should consider? Um, anyone looking, anyone out there listening to this podcast, what are like some benefits to one, communicating with that audiences? being relevant culturally and racially to them. And, um, and yeah, let's, let's start there. I think I felt like I asked seven questions instead of one, but let's just start there and see. Awesome. Yeah, no problem. So, yeah, you're right, Ellen. It's um, about 62 million Hispanics living in the U.S. And their buying power totals up to 1.3 trillion. So, wow. you know. Yeah. And there are, you know, significant challenges in reaching this audience online. Mm -hmm. Some challenges include scale, diversity of audiences, 
and just finding the right channels for um you know engagement with with this audience okay. and most recently i I've, I've joined to to actually build out our us hispanic and multicultural practice specifically at MIQ just because we see that massive opportunity for better targeting to the us hispanic audience that no longer treats the population as a monolith but rather leverages multiple you know there's ability to leverage multiple data sources to hone in on um, on this right subgroup um so with that said um the u.s hispanic or you know latin x market they they are um they are really the the forefront is 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 mobile so we see statistics say that u.s hispanics not only are more on their mobile but they are more streaming the mm-hmm. penetration with the penetration of u.s hispanics that are streaming um is higher than the general u.s population oh wow so that yeah that was really interesting uh i dug up that information for for um uh a uh one of a client we have that mm-hmm. um, is a streaming service that wants to target u.s hispanics here in the u.s and the importance of localizing and being culturally relevant is fundamental to develop authentic connections with this audience and mm-hmm. a simple example is this audience is not 100% english and they are not 100% spanish they are 100% spanglish you speak to them you know they speak to each other in two different languages at the same time you know mm-hmm. and and it's very important to, to to connect with them in that in that sense and brands you know they need to develop specific strategies specific to that market mm-hmm. in order to target them um you know in the right context yeah i'm smiling because uh my first language is french and we speak franglish at the in my household so when you said spanglish i was like oh okay i can relate to that i don't i don't speak spanish but um i think it's very interesting and um, yeah, we've seen a lot of commercials out there that are doing it really, really bad and really, really wrong. Uh, for instance, me, I am targeted constantly with uh, and with Spanish ads. I think it's because I I, I want to credit it because my maiden name is Fernandez, which is Portuguese also. Um, so I want to, which is my origins are Kiberdin, which is a Portuguese island in West Africa. So I credit some of those commercial to the fact that it's my last name, but I haven't been my last name for like over three years. So I'm still like, yo, I know that, for instance, OTT and CTV targeting is not as as um, as concise as it is or as it should be, rather. So what can you tell us? Because I really want to highlight what you said, like that you have to be culturally relevant um, and so what does that really mean to somebody listening, either an agency owner, either a media buyer listening, either a CEO? Um, what, how can they be culturally relevant in their day-to-day <laughs> in our industry specifically? I think to your point, I mm-hmm. think the number one would be understand your audience. Mm-hmm. You know, who are we talking to? So your example is perfect. Your your last name is Fernandez, so the assumption is that you're yeah. bilingual. Mm-hmm. But you know, we at MIQ we try the best possible to deter, to be deterministic in that sense and mm-hmm. actually know that you are 
um, you know, have a Spanish descent or speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. So we try, uh, you know, I'm not going to say it's a hundred percent because yeah. It's, yeah. it's not. And whoever says it is, is, is not. Yeah. Um, but it's we no 100%. Need, yeah. So the, just the data sets, you know, and, 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 and the data that we sit on allows us to get as close as possible to the truth mm-hmm. of that specific user. So for instance, uh, we have partnerships with Vizio and LG, where we have um, TV data, on uh, viewership data on over 40 million homes in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we offer and um, to our clients who want to target U.S. Hispanics is we are able to identify um, uh, homes that are Spanish speaking mm-hmm. um, because of, you know, the, the language they watch in or the channels they watch. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, it might not be, you know, a hundred percent because it might be a guest watching Spanish TV or, you know, someone at the house watching TV in Spanish, the owner might not speak Spanish, but we try to get as close as possible. And these are the types of data sets that we use and, and leverage to be able to, you know, identify and then be able to target this user mm-hmm. um, in a culture, in a, in a relevant context. Mm. I, think situation. Should, um, I think that's a great point. So we, we should, Clarify deterministic versus pro- probabilistic here. Uh, deterministic data, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure deterministic data is any data set or audience segments that have been identified based on a uh, based on their email address. Based, there's no PI, of course, but based we know for a fact that they've logged in somewhere with this email. Versus probabilistics, it's more like there's a high probability that um, this audience is located here because they may have purchased one time in this area, right? Did I define the two correctly? Exactly. You know, so my my husband can um, go online and buy something on, you know, something on Victoria's Secret. And then he will be retargeted Got it. Okay. with ads targeted to women. Okay. So that's probabilistic. Got it. Okay. Deterministic could be um, is using, you know, real data sets, uh, being able to connect purchasing information with online behavior, with CRM, with email, whatever, you know, connecting the dots. Like, okay. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Exactly. Not yeah. only from, you know, one yeah. data source, but, you know, great putting example. that story together to be able to identify the user. Yeah, I mean, it's a real story, actually. So, <laughs> he's like, why am I getting these ads? Like, you know, like campers or... <laughs> so, it is a oh real story. Oh my God, story. I was <laughs> a rat That's, you know, a, digitally a perfect example. with Huggies and Pampers, the brands, after I had my baby. It was absolutely... I mean, great point for targeting, but it was heavy everywhere, everywhere. And I was like, yo, this is either really great targeting or it's crazy that I feel overwhelmed. It's like so well targeted. And it was exactly almost like newborn message, which I was just, I was a first time mom at that time. And she was probably like a month, two months, but I would see these ads everywhere, everywhere. Um, and I don't use, I don't use the brand. I use Hello Billow. <laughs> so I don't even use the brand, but, um, but yeah, so that's a great segue into, uh, where 
to target the audience. Um, I think before we started recording, I mentioned that I saw that MIQ was um, had digital out of home as an offering, as a service for their clients. MIQ is a, is a DSB. It's self-serve and managed service, right? Just managed service. Oh, sorry. So just managed service. So MIQ is managed service and it offers a variety of different channels and placements. So I'm super excited to shift the conversation for, uh, for that particularly. And But before we shift, let's talk about where, where have uh, some of that audiences um, not performed the best, but engaged the best. Where are they consuming um, media outside of their mobile phone? Or maybe it's just on their mobile phone. If we had to consider adding that audiences into our media mix, how can we go about about doing that? Um, so, just to recap our conversation, can you give us like the, the top three things we want to remember? Like, if somebody stopped the recording right now, what is three to maybe five points that they need to take with them in order to understand how to best implement U.S. Hispanic audience targeting into our media mix? Definitely. So one, for sure, being uh, understanding your audience, knowing okay. your audience and Got knowing who, who you want to talk to and who you will talk to. Mm-hmm. Two, um, being culturally relevant. You Got know, it. it's very important. His, U.S. H- Hispanics in general, they are they put a lot of emphasis in um, emotional connections. Mm. So being able to emotionally co- connect with them is the key way to increase brand loyalty and an affinity. Okay. And three, um, I would say um, choosing the right channel. Mm-hmm. So whether it's entertainment, sports, news, um, it's, it's very important to be in the right context at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's part of also understanding your consumer. Got it. Got so it. definitely those three, and and I want to put a big emphasis on being culturally relevant because yeah. it's very important so that they feel appreciated. They know, oh wow, you know, mm-hmm. I'm getting a, a Spanglish ad. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very <laughs> it, for them. It's great. You know, yeah. it's interesting, and and it and it shows the brand is you know dedicating yeah. specific to them. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. So hashtag uh, culturally relevant. Hashtag Spanglish. Um, if you're if you're playing a drinking game, that would be that would be the two keywords there. Um, so let's um, shift into digital out of home before we close really quickly because I want to be mindful of your time. So what is the greatest and latest about digital out of home? Why is it important to implement? And uh, what are a few things any advertisers out there or brands should know about the digital out-of-home? Yeah, all great questions. And I think it's important to set the stage with digital out-of-home before mm-hmm. we even start. Uh, programmatic digital out-of-home has massive reach on that one-to-many scale that really is unheard of elsewhere. Mm-hmm. It's a high-impact unit. It breaks through the clutter. Uh, often the billboards are life-size or larger if you're standing in an airport that takes the entire concourse up. Um, but more importantly, if you are a brand, there's no fraud. There's built-in brand safety to it. It's 100% viewable. There's no ad blocking. There's no skipping. All of those things that we try and dance around in our day-to-day. Uh, there's also the benefits of 
proximity targeting. At MIQ, we can place ads on an exact screen um, or in a specific zip or a specific DMA, and we can handpick where those things are. And that's great for a retail customer or a QSR partner. Uh, endemic placements within a gym, if you are a hydration company, um, not only to emphasize your brand, but also for any conquesting, put your billboard right in front of your competitor or around the competitor uh, best you can. Okay. Um, so it's very important. And we've even seen an, an uptick over the past few months as personal consumption spending is increasing. Uh, right. 70% of all transactions are still offline. There's a still massive amount and it's growing for an e-commerce side of things. But there has been an increase of 16% of restaurant spend May over April of this year. We've mm-hmm. seen an increase of 3.5% spend in recreation. Um, and uh, travel is just at, at an all-time high. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen peaks of over 2 million uh, travelers a day in airlines. And the last time we saw that was March of 2020. So the opportunity is right to get in front of consumers as they are out and about, many returning to work, many going back to uh, what life was a year and a half ago. That makes sense because I received a uh, research. I received uh, something from Adara, which was saying that uh, sentiment for tour for traveling is increasing i think it was like in the low 40s in february and now it's like in the high 60s um so people americans are looking forward to get it outdoors again and seen it with the opening of certain states here in north carolina um things are reopening pretty fairly so i i think it makes a lot of sense and that's why i was curious about digital out of home um so do you guys partner directly with a digital out-of-home uh, vendor, like uh, I think Vista is one of them, or is it, um, I don't know. So how, how does that work since it's managed services? Yeah, so great question. Um, and MIQ takes an agnostic approach to everything we do, whether it's the buying platform, the data we use. Uh, in this case, it's the supply that we have access to because okay. we really want to be able to reach the right consumer at the right time on the right screen, whether they're in transit, they're at work, they're at home, they're running uh, errands. We really don't want any limitations into the reach that we can have. So we do have, I would say, four to five different partners um, that we've paired up with, that we've handpicked, that we use for our placements. But really what it comes down to is the outcomes, uh, the desired outcomes from our partners. Do we want a conquesting play? Do we want a proximity play? as well as all of the pre-campaign intelligence that we could put forward to our campaign. So uh, in speaking towards the U.S. Hispanic audience that we just spoke to, we'd be able to utilize things like census data to understand what makes sense for our placements. Um, We've used other demographics uh, for like voting districts, if we want to be influential during that time. Um, No, sorry, go ahead. As you say, one that we've really leaned into, not only for retail and QSRs lately, but most often travel has been vaccination rates, understanding mm-hmm. adoption of vaccines in specific areas. They might be more apt to have a day trip somewhere across the state line in a transient state um, to reach those other areas, um, as well as understanding uh, those points of interest. So. Uh, it doesn't make sense to be on the Link NYC uh, 
buildings where they trans or not buildings, the stations where they transacted all of the um, old phone booths into Wi-Fi spots and charging stations. So let's be in front of our brand and we can help curate people in or right as before they get on a subway and travel somewhere. Or if it's uh, yeah. uh, for nightlife being right in that yeah. spot or a retail hotspot. That's a good point because like when we hear digital out of home, I mean, out of home, we always think about the billboards, but it's, doesn't, it's not limited to billboards. I mean, you're talking about, you mentioned somewhere in the metro, you're saying that digital ads on those, uh, is it, well, it's not a wall, but it's like a panel. Um, it's also at the gas station that's considered, mm-hmm. uh, you can buy that kind of inventory. Sometimes even on the taxis, you'll see like, or on the, the bus, you'll see like that, um, that ad that is shifting digitally. Um, but yeah, this is such a, a very interesting topic, but I think we need to come back again and talk about uh, digital home because I think I may have a little bit more questions than that, but I'd love to close uh, really quickly the segments and ask you both one fun fact. Amanda, your t- what is one fact about yourself? One fun fact, sorry. <laughs> okay, a fun fact is that um, I am not Latina. I mean, I am, but I'm Brazilian. Slash Iranian. <laughs> okay, okay. So, um, but living in Miami for so long, um, oh you know, yeah. um, the, the people who speak English, they have to learn Spanish. Like, it's a must to live yeah. in the city. So, yeah, it's like Spanish is a second language here. I strongly believe that eventually it'll be a second official language. Exactly. So, I mean, and, and, and the fun fact is, like, most of my career has been in Latin American markets, wow. even though I'm not, you know, I, I didn't like originally not from a Spanish-speaking country, so that's, that's a fun fact. <laughs> that's really fun. <laughs> what about you, Joe? <laughs> uh, I think mine would be more sports-related. I'm a big uh, sports fan, so mm-hmm. I was featured on Sports Nation, which was a show on ESPN. Wow! Uh, quite quite a bit ago, I was mm-hmm. uh, very excited to have that opportunity. <laughs> well, you need to share that article. Because we are going tonight, need to see some some like pictures or something like that. How long ago was it? It um, was it was quite a bit ago. Okay. Um, there was a YouTube video at one point, but uh, okay. I think it's since been taken down. That's really cool. So, last question: What is something you guys are binge watching now? I stumbled across Panic on Amazon Prime. Panic. Not knowing what it was about and not realizing that it was like intended for a like young adult audience, mm-hmm. but it uh, I watched the entire thing in like two days. So. <laughs> I'll raise my hand that I guess that uh, that got me sucked in. Um, I actually just finished watching a Brazilian series on Amazon Prime called Dom D O M. Okay, really intense. Really, really intense. Uh-huh. Um, but but I mean, it'd be good. It's reality. A lot of like reality stuff come out of it. Yeah. And parallel to that, I'm also I also well now I'm still watching Human on Netflix, which is a documentary, mm-hmm. and some outstanding fact about the oh. human body is it's it's out of control. It's out oh of my control. gosh! I highly recommend it. I'm going to have to... much better answers than mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely going to check out 
all three. Um, I don't have a lot of binge uh, binge watch time these days. I always ask because I'm always like, oh, what are you binge watching? When I binge watch, it's like most of the time I can't finish a season. Or if I do finish a season, like I'm exhausted the next day because I'll stay up. Um, but um, thank you so, so, so much for joining us. This has been a really cool conversation. Um, Amanda, we'll have you back to uh, specifically continue this conversation. Same thing with Joe. Um, I think today was a good a mix of two very important topics that I've been receiving interest in. But honestly, definitely I wanted to learn more about. So um, definitely grateful for you guys' flexibility and time. As always, thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining the conversation and we hope you enjoyed it. Please do us three small favors. Follow us on Apple iTunes and leave us a review. Like and comment on all social media. Sign up to our newsletter on the website programmaticdigest.com which sends you one reminder every new episode or once a month as a recap. For any articles, topics, and the guest information, you can find it in the show notes on our website programmaticdigest.com. Thank you and stay curious, my friend.